Hello and welcome to United's podcast and sermon archives. If you would like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at fergusunited.org or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and we hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. Entitled The Hero. The Hero. So last week we spent some time studying the story that we're all very familiar with, the story of David and Goliath. You've all heard that one, right? Yeah. And we talked about the fact that more often than not, when we hear this preached about, we hear this talked about, we're told to be like David. We need to, we need to be the hero. We've got to step out in faith. We've got to face down the giant. And there's a, there's a place for all of those things. There's a place for those messages. That's right. However, there's another reality that we had to come to grips with last week, and that is we're not the hero. (coughs) You're not the hero. I'm not the hero. And it's a little bit hard to swallow in the beginning because we're so conditioned to want to be the hero. I want to be... I want to be... The guy on the battlefield with the stones and the sling and, and taking Goliath's sword and lopping off his head. I, I want to be the one that saves the day. But there's also a giant sigh of relief when we realize that's not our job. Because if you're the hero, there's a lot of pressure that comes. There's a lot of people counting on you. You have to come through. Uh, we figured out last week that we more often than not better identify with the Israelite army. You know, the guys that were hiding and and were afraid and didn't want to face Goliath because he was big and strong and tough and bad and everything that they didn't think they were. Jesus is the hero. Those situations when we're there and we're facing giants, we're facing things in front of us that are so much larger than us. They just stare us down and they mock us and they laugh at us. Like Goliath did, he came out twice a day for 40 days, 80 times, just taunting the people of God. And yet, we don't have people in our lives, hopefully, that are treating us that way, but there are circumstances and there are challenges and there are struggles that just show up day in and day out and they speak the same old lies. And I'm grateful that there's a hero that can come on the scene whose name is Jesus. I was reminded of this uh, in talking about this message with someone yesterday. When you read through uh, that account, David and Goliath, they refer to Goliath as their champion. The Philistine champion. Well, that word is Gabor. That's where they get, it translates into champion, Gabor. And someone pointed out to me uh, the passage Isaiah 9 and 6. It's another familiar passage, but I want to read it for you. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. When we read that, that phrase, the Mighty God, what's really neat about that and tying all of this together is what that's translated from is the phrase El Gabor. El Gabor. And it's communicating, he's not just the champion, he's the champion of champions. 
We talk about Jesus being the King of Kings. The Philistines, the, the representation of the world during that day, they had their champion. But He was no match for the champion of champions, the El Gabor, the mighty God that we serve. He, he is the hero. And so we spent time last week talking about and, and recognizing that He's the type of hero that can come in and defend us. He is our defender. But He's not limited to one superpower. It's not like He's the defender and then when you need other things, you, you've got to find another superhero. That's why the Avengers have to work as a team because all of them, they're, they're really only good at one thing. They can fly far or run fast or jump high or break strong things, but, but if it's outside of that, that purview of that one little thing, well, then they're not all that heroic anymore. But the hero we're talking about, he doesn't need any help. There's none with him or before him or beside him. We sing about it today, but his, his throne isn't threatened. He's not up in heaven going, oh man, I sure hope a new adversary doesn't show up on the scene today and kick me out of heaven. He's not worried about that. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture uh, from Genesis chapter 22, verses 11 through 14. I'm going to lay a little bit of groundwork before we get there because Genesis 22 takes us to a peculiar place in Scripture. God is vehemently against uh, the sacrifice of children all throughout Scripture. There were, were pagan nations that the people of God would come up against that were given to the sacrifice of their children. And God speaks very negatively about this and He's promised to Abraham for years and years and years that he is going to have a son. He's going to become a great nation. His, his descendants are going to be like the sand of the sea. It's going to be like the stars of the sky. All of these things. And finally, finally it... it doesn't really come to pass like that yet, but Abraham has a son. And his name is Isaac. And he has this son for around 12 or 13 years. And then God says, hey, hey Abraham, I've got something I want you to do. You see, I want you to take your boy and I want you to make your way into that mountain over there and I want you to sacrifice your son unto me. That's a peculiar thing in Scripture because we know God is not in favor of this kind of activity. And we know the end of the story. He's, he's testing Abraham. He's, he's trying his faith, seeing if he was serving more the promise or the promise giver. There's a lot of things we could extract from that. But Abraham takes his boy and he takes a few servants and they begin to make their way up into the mountain. And ironically, Isaac the one whose life is on the line, is carrying all the wood on his back. And they're making their way up the mountain and he's, he's looking around. He's a, he's a pretty smart young man. He says, hey dad, um, you know, we've done this before and I, I, I can see we're on our way up and you're getting a little older. Maybe you forgot something because I, I've got the wood and, and you know, we've got everything we need. We're bringing fire with us, but, but where's the sacrifice? Thinking something, something's not right here. And one of the most amazing things to me about this story, we talk about it being the test of Abraham's faith. I think it's also the test of Isaac's faith. Because we don't read about him kicking and screaming and fighting and running and overpowering. Abraham was an old man at this point. Isaac could have gotten away. 
he was faster, he was more agile, and yet we're going to pick up in verse 11, and at this point, Isaac is bound, and he's laying on an altar, and Abraham is standing over his son with a knife. This is not a pretty picture. Not for anyone involved. And it tells us in verse 11, And the angel of the Lord called unto him, being Abraham, out of heaven, and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and, be, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And so we hear this term for the first time in Scripture that we, we're familiar with now, this Jehovah-Jireh. That was not a term that had been used to that point. Jehovah-Jireh. Jehovah was the name in which God had revealed Himself to. But as we read through Scripture, we see Jehovah-Nisi. We see Jehovah-Sitkanu. We see a lot of different references to jehovah with something coming after it. And God is slowly revealing His character to His people through every one of these names that are, are tied to his, his name of Jehovah. Some other translations would read if, in verse 14, Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of Jehovah it shall be Provided. Provided. Last week we examined how this hero is able to defend, but I'm telling you today he's also our provider. Yes, yeah. He is the provider. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He told Abraham, and, and Abraham even speaks in faith when Isaac questioned, where's the sacrifice? He said to his son, the Lord, the Lord will provide a sacrifice. Yes. And they make their way to the top of this mountain and God reveals Himself to Abraham and to Isaac in a way that they had not known him up until that point. Fast forwarding to the New Testament, to the book of Matthew, picking up in verse 14, I'm sorry, chapter 14, verse 13, we see an event take place. It says, When Jesus heard of it, He departed thence by a ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. And he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a desert place and the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart, give them to eat. And they said unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. He said, Bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. 
And he took the five loaves and the two fishes, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake and gave the loaves to his disciples, and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up of the fragments that remained twelve basketfuls. And they that had eaten were about five thousand men beside women and children. Jesus is, is leaving one city. There's some things that, that are taking place and He recognizes what's going on and He makes His way out of the city and He goes to a what the Scripture says a desert place. He was not near town. He was out in the country and the people were so desperate to hear the truth of God's Word and to be touched and to be healed and to be cleansed that they just they, they left the towns, they left the cities on foot, the Bible says, and they make their way out to where he's at. He didn't tell them to come. In fact, he's a little bit surprised. He says when he sees the multitude, so now he comes around a corner or over a hill, I don't know what it was, and here's all these people that are just waiting on him. They're just waiting on him to get there. He's moved with compassion, and he begins to minister, and he begins to heal and touch their bodies and, and speak things into their life and teach them about the kingdom of God until it starts to get late in the evening. And the disciples come, and they say, Jesus, it's, it's late. We're really far away from town. It's probably time for you to, to dismiss this crowd, and uh, that way they can go in and get themselves some dinner before all the restaurants close. And Jesus looks at His disciples and He says, No, they don't need to leave. Feed them. Um, well, we would. See, we don't really have a problem with that. We don't mind helping out. But, but we've got five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus is like, Yeah, that sounds like a good meal. The disciples have no idea what's going on at this point. Bring them to me. And they're like, Is He just going to eat it? Is it all for Him? I'm and and Jesus speaks and relays the message. The Bible tells us there were 5,000 men plus women and children. We mislabel this sometimes, the feeding of the 5,000. There were many more than 5,000. And Jesus commands them to sit down, and they all sit down in the grass. This had to be a big area. And He, he takes the loaves just like He had every other day, and He, he gives thanks to God for the loaves and he starts breaking little pieces off and giving them to the disciples. And the disciples would run out into the crowd and, and give it to somebody and then come back. And they're like, he had, he had half a loaf when I left. And he'd break another piece off and give. And they, they run out and they give that away. He's still got half a loaf. He's still got, and, and the fish, there, there's more fish. And, and God begins to miraculously provide for the needs of thousands of people. Not just for the needs. This is what's so cool. When it's all said and done, and the disciples are, are still trying to figure out what's happening, Jesus is like, hey, now it's time to bust the tables. And they go out, and they're, they're cleaning up all the mess, and they're picking up all the stuff, and they get back. And how many disciples were there? Twelve. There were twelve disciples. And, and they finally get everything back there because they haven't eaten. They've been working. They've been serving. They've been ministering to other people. And they get back and they, they've collected all the fragments and there's 12 basketfuls of food left. Jesus wasn't like, oh, look at that. I didn't know. He knew what He was doing. There was food enough for everybody. He provided 
for every single need. Matthew 15 tells us again of another large multitude. This time, the number exceeds 4,000. And He feeds all of them. Matthew 17, 24-27 And then when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Doth not your master pay tribute? And he said, Yes. And when he was come into the house, Jesus prevented him, saying, What thinkest thou, Simon? Of whom do kings of the earth take custom or tribute? Of their own children or of strangers? Peter saith unto him, Of strangers. Jesus said unto him, Then are the children free. Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea and cast and hook and take up the fish that first cometh up. And when thou hast opened <clears throat> excuse me, his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and for thee. Here comes the IRS. Let's just modernize this for a moment. They're, they're there, they're having church, and the IRS shows up. Hey, doesn't your master need to pay his taxes? And Peter's like, uh, yeah, he's going he's gonna to do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Let me, let me go talk to him. And he goes in to get the money, and Jesus says, what are you doing? No, you're not, you're not giving them that. He said, but, just so they're not offended, go out and get yourself a fishing rod and cast a hook into the water, and you're going to catch a fish, and then when you reel that fish in, just open his mouth, and there's going to be money in there. You can go pay my taxes and your taxes. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and he provides. And it's super... Anybody here ever caught a fish with money in its mouth? <laughs> if so, I want to know where you're fishing. Jesus just says, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something here. I'm, gonna, I'm going to provide because that's what I do I'm a I'm a provider I'm a provider we could look at story after story throughout the gospels we could talk about how even after his crucifixion he comes back on the scene and he finds his disciples fishing they had been fishing all through the night not caught a single thing and he says hey you know what you need to do just just throw your net on the other side of the boat now that's kind of an insult to skilled fishermen. We've been out here all night and you're telling me if I pick the net up from here and I throw it in over Nevertheless, okay, we'll, we'll do it. And he, again, provides. Amen. So much so that they had to call another ship to help them haul in all the fish. The nets were ripping apart. We could talk about story after story in the Bible. There's no shortage of evidence of God providing for needs of people in Scripture. But I'm talking about our hero. And so the question I have to ask today is, what is it that you need? What is it that you need? Yeah, Jesus provided for the 5,000. Well, well, what about the one? What about the one that's sitting in your chair? Oh, well, you know, well, and we've got all these reasons why God's not going to come through for us and He's not going to do it for us, but He hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He provided for their needs then. He'll provide for your needs now. 
You say, well, what's he going to provide? I don't know. That's why I'm asking. What do you need? You say, well, oh, man, I live in a world, we all live in a world where there's, there's just no joy. There's no joy. There's maybe momentary fleeting happiness that's attached to a singular event, but once the, the splendor of the event fades, we're right back into a place where there's no joy. And we need joy in our life. Yes. God calls us yes. to have joy. The joy of the Lord becomes our strength. We're, we're supposed to be joyful people, and yet there are times, if we're honest, that we don't have joy. Right. And the hero steps on the scene and says, guess what? I can provide. I can provide joy. It's supernatural. Yeah, I can't explain it. It doesn't make any sense. You're pulling up fish and it's not a coin in its mouth. It's, it's joy. Oh, that sounds silly. Well, it probably sounded silly to Peter too. He provides joy. Strength. There are times that we go through battles and we go through challenges and seasons of life where we become extremely weary. Maybe I'm the only one. We just get tired. We get wore down. We don't even want to, to engage in the struggle anymore. You need some strength today? Because I, I know a God who can provide strength. When it seems like all your strength is gone, that's the best time for the hero to show up on the scene. That's why in the, in the comic books and the movies, the hero never shows up when, when people are able to supply all their own needs. But when they're depleted, when they're down and out and they got nothing left and their strength is faded, here comes the hero walking onto the scene and he's got just what they need. This Jesus we serve can give you strength. It supersedes your own. It's not natural. You can't get it at the gym. It comes through prayer. It comes through time in God's Word. Anybody here ever needed wisdom? Yes, Lord. I need wisdom. Word of God tells us if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not. If you need wisdom, God, I just don't know what to do here. I don't know how to handle this situation. It, it's beyond me. I'm in a place where I have to make a decision, but I don't have the education or the understanding or the foresight to know what to do. We've got a God that said He was willing and, and even eager to provide wisdom to whosoever would ask. We face financial problems. Okay. I face financial problems. There are times that I look at the bank account and I look at the stack of bills and and the bills are a higher number than the bank account. There are times that, that things come up in life that are unexpected and they cost money. And there are financial challenges. And sometimes I can say, well, you know what I'll do? I'm just going to work a little harder. I'm going I'm to put in some more hours. And there are, there are certain levels of challenges that I can do that. And God will let me do that. But there are other times that things come that are so large, it didn't matter. I could work myself into a grave and not be able to meet the financial needs that are, are put on me. There are times that we've, we find ourselves in very time-sensitive financial situations. I'm glad that God's ability to provide is not just in the, the ethereal things like wisdom and, and joy and peace and all that. But no, He can come in and He can provide material yes, material can. things. Yes, 
I could tell testimony after testimony, our own testimonies, of times when I, I laugh about it now, but I remember my aunt coming over one day and she walked into our uh, kitchen and she said, Hey, I'm going to get something to. And she opened the refrigerator and there was a gallon of water and a box of baking soda. That's what was in the refrigerator. And she's like, Why don't you go buy some groceries? And we were like, Well, it's, it's not the whatever day of the month it was. Like, we had a budget and that's. That's when you bought groceries. You bought groceries when that paycheck for for the budget came through. And oh man, I could probably go on and on. But I, I got up one day. We lived just down the road from the church. We were actually renting the house from the church we were a part of, and the roof of the church needed to be shoveled off. I didn't have any work, so I, I wake up and I had a horrible attitude. And I'm walking around the house praying. No, I was I was actually whining. You know, complaining and griping to God, but I called it prayer because I felt better about that. Oh, Lord, we got all these problems and we need this and we need that. And I had to go shovel this stupid roof off. I don't even want to be down there. I just, blah, 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 blah. Amen. And uh, I, I got myself ready. I finally got over my little pity party <clears throat> and I opened the front door, and the driveway was probably about 30 feet. And from my door, all the way to the end of the driveway were just groceries. Just bags and bags of groceries. God provided. God provided. We talked about the IRS. I could tell you there were times that as a young 18, 19 year old self-employed individual that life was pretty good all year and I did not understand how taxes worked at all. Should have been praying for wisdom. And so the end of the year would come and I would go to do my taxes and everybody else is telling me how much money they're getting back and man this is going to be great and i go do my taxes and they go well you owe uh six thousand dollars say what <laughs> i so clueless i said okay when when do i have to pay that and they're like right now <laughs> well that's not gonna happen <laughs> and and these high dollar amounts would be put on our plate and one way or another God would provide. And there were times I had to work for it, but it was unexpected work. I would get a call, hey, we just had XYZ thing take place in this building. We we need you to come fix it. And it would be the exact amount almost that we needed to pay off our our tax bill. God provided time and time again. He is is a provider. We live in a world where love is needed. And many times it's withheld or has contingencies placed on it. I'll love you if. I feel loved when I. And we have all these contingencies, and and people are are stingy with love, but God is love. Mm -hmm. He can provide love. He can provide meaning. Anybody ever need peace? There's no peace. Our world is void of peace. I can't think of one other place other than the house of God in our society right now where you can go and they can stand with any kind of validity and offer peace. Peace. God said, not only can I give you peace, I'm going to give you peace that absolutely blows your mind. You're not going to be able to understand how you even have peace. And yet you're going to have peace. That's the kind of provider... That he is. I heard a phrase this weekend at 
district conference, and I, I kind of like it. Because we also need hope. Hope. We, we The outlook is so bleak in so many different areas right now that hope has just been laid down and forgotten about. We just hope we get through another day. But hope goes much further than that. And the, the phrase that I heard was, Jesus is a, he's a hope dealer. You've heard of the dope dealer. Well, Jesus is the hope dealer. He's got what you need. He can give you your fix. And we need some hope. He's a provider. He is a provider. Philippians 4 and 19. I'll share this scripture and I'll come to a close fairly quickly. But Philippians 4 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm glad Jesus' resources aren't running low. All your need. I, I, we could go on and we could just continue to list things, but every single thing that you need, every need that you have, and we're not going to spend the time to, to draw the line between needs and wants. But it didn't, it didn't refer to our wants. But it did say, my God... And, and I can just hear the preacher preaching with such confidence. My, my God, the, the God I serve, the, the hero, He can provide all your needs. Everything you have need of in your life, He's able to take care of it. He, he, can, he can deal with it. He can bring it to pass. He can give it to you when you need it. According to His riches in glory. Not according to His reserves or according to what He has He's not like, well, sorry, I can't supply your needs today because I, I supplied Rennie's needs today. Maybe come back tomorrow. Oh, no, Rennie, I supplied your needs yesterday. Now you've got to go over to the back of the line now. I've got to supply some. He, he's got plenty. Amen. Riches, storehouses of, of peace and storehouses of joy and storehouses of love and financial blessings and, and all the things that we need. It's there. It's there in abundance. In fact, when we're done using everything we're going to need to use, he's going to say, okay, now it's time to bust the tables. Lord, I don't need any more fish. Yeah, but I, I gave you more than you needed. I got peace coming out of my ears. Yeah, but, yeah, but there's more out there. See, I've, I've surpassed what you thought you needed. I've surpassed Hallelujah. your expectation. Because I'm a, I'm a good God. Yes. I can supply Jesus. all of your needs Thank according you, to my riches, my riches, in glory. I've got it. I've got it under control. I don't have to borrow from the bank. I don't have to go and talk to anybody else about it. You don't need a co-signer. He can supply every single thing that you need. Everything you need. We're going to spend some time praying today. You can come. And I don't know what your need is. All of our needs are different. It's kind of funny. They're all different and they're all the same. We all need the same things. We just don't need them at the same time. The needs of humanity are universal, but, but I don't know what it is that you're lacking right now. And I didn't get out of bed this morning just to come and preach a quaint message about what could be one day. I'm coming to tell somebody that the thing you're lacking right now, the thing you need in your life, God is able to supply that need. He is my provider. He's not one of my providers. He's not an avenue that I walk down when every other door closes. He's the one that I trust time and time again because He's the one that's never, 
ever, ever failed me. Ever failed me. So as we take some time to pray today, pray your prayer. This isn't something somebody else can pray for you. But come to the Lord today and say, God, I recognize I'm not the hero. I recognize it all over again. I can't do this. I can't muster it up. I can't create it. I can't earn it. I can't make it. I need you to provide for me. I'm coming to you today, God, recognizing just how amazing you are. And I need you to do something in my life. I need you to help me. I need you to fill this void, to, to, to make up the difference. Whatever it is, He can supply that need. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you'd like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online to fergusunited.org. And also don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. That way you will be automatically notified of our new episodes. Thank you very much, and we hope you have a great week. God bless you.